0: Good morning, church. Man, you guys sound great. Thank you all for being here this morning. I want to start things off today with a question. This is not a question that you need to blurt the answer back out to me. I don't have any chocolate chip cookies to give you as a prize for getting the answer or getting it right. But I'm going to give you this question anyway, just process this. The question is this, do you know what the future holds? Do you know what the future holds? holds, right? See, I get a chance to engage in a lot of conversations, some individually, some with groups. Sometimes I'm invited into hearing other people's conversations. Sometimes I just overhear other people's conversations, right? And I understand conversations happen all around us all the time, right? You guys get to be a part of conversations, in fact, one of the things that happens here on Sunday mornings at 4, is there's lots of conversations that go on. Quality conversations might be one of your highlights of being here at Fort Christian on a Sunday morning. In fact, being here at Fort Christian on a Sunday morning just might be the highlight of your week. I know for me, it is one of my highlights of my week, and rightly so. I mean, think about it, we get to come together, we get to hear the band sing some songs, hear the teaching from God's word, be challenged about how we should live and how we should love, right? We get to hang out with family and friends, we, we get to have these conversations, we drink coffee and, you know, when there's a big event on a Saturday, we get coffee cake on Sunday, so that's always good. And, um, you know, we laugh and we catch up and, and it's good and the conversations flow, I love the interaction, and I love the communication that takes place out in the lobby before the services, and and I love the conversations that take place in this room, you know, after the services are over. Now, I know some of you show up, like, after the first song, maybe sometimes even after the second song, and some of you just, boom— Jet out the doors as soon as the last announcement is over. Um, No judgment there. But what you might not realize, if you are a come-late-leave-early kind of person, is there are people who literally stick around after service in this place till close to 1 o'clock having conversations. There are people from the 9 o'clock service that literally 5 minutes till 11, they finally leave this room because they attended the 9, and they leave so that y'all can come in here at the 11. So if you are a late comer or an early leaver, this is your invitation. This is your welcome to come early, reconnect with old friends and make some new ones. Stay late and do the same, right? Let's enjoy being a church that loves to interact, that loves to communicate, loves to do life with one another. That's who we are and I absolutely love that about us. Something else I love about us is the fact that we, are a, um, uh, we have an opportunity within this church to be part of small groups. And in small groups, we again have those amazing opportunities for conversation. Small groups are these organized situations where we come together in people's homes or we hang out here at the church. And right now we got like 19 or 20 small groups that are currently meeting every week or every other meet, week or as often as they can get together. And in these groups, we have the opportunity to experience God's love by doing life with other people. We encourage each other and pray for one another. We, we help each other, right? We come alongside each other, study with one another, right? We simply, we grow together because we get an opportunity to do life together. And they are a great place to experience these conversations, Now, my wife, Barb, and I, and if you don't know who my wife, Barb, is, she was out of the door uh, as you guys came in from the outside this morning, but she and I um, were a part of a couple of groups on Friday nights. Uh, We attend, like every other Friday night, with, with some friends, and we do life together every other Friday night, and then also she and I lead a group of young adults on Tuesday night, and we absolutely love the conversations and the time we get to spend with both of those groups, and we love the questions that get asked. And we love this process of all of us, no matter what our age, no matter what our stage, of trying to figure out life. Trying to figure out life. Now, if you're not part of a small group, I would encourage you, talk to me. I'll help you get one started. I'll help you get plugged into one as best I can. But cheap plug there, right? But here is the deal, right? There is something that happens when we're part of people doing life together. There's something that happens when we get a chance to communicate with one another. But something I've noticed as we do life together, as we talk together, whether it's here in this room or whether it's out in the lobby, you know, whether it's in somebody's home or whether it's a sunshine grill, whether it's a conversation in a work setting or a recreational setting or a family setting, is that no matter the age or stage a person is in their life, no matter whether they're a follower of Jesus or they're not yet a follower of Jesus... It seems that we are a people whose futures seem wrought with uncertainty. We are so uncertain about the future. We don't know what the future holds. I'm assuming and imagining that in your conversations that you've had with people that you've noticed the exact same thing as well. Like I said, Barb and I lead a group of late teens to, to 20-somethings, and one of the most recognized struggle that it seems that these young adults have is just trying to figure out their future, right? As a young adult, it's like, what am I going to do for my career? What major am I going to pursue in college? Am I going to switch my major again? Right? Where will I live? Who will I date? Who will I marry? And when am I going to move out of mom and dad's house and get a place of my own? True, right? Maybe you're... Maybe you've been there. Maybe that's reality for you. Or maybe you're not quite there yet. Maybe you're not making all those big, important future decisions. Or maybe you're just getting started in the age of uncertainty. Maybe you're middle school or high school and you're trying to figure out what classes do I want to take? Which sports do I want to play? When do I get my first job? Or maybe you're just wrestling with the real important stuff like which clothes to wear. Who do I ask to a dance? Or should I let my hair grow out and get it cut into a mullet? I say yes to the last one. But think about it. As we get older, we're still asking those questions. We're trying to figure out our future. How many kids should I have? How big of a house do I need? What should my retirement look like? Some of you are still struggling with your careers. Even at 30 or 40 or 50 or 60, you're trying to figure out, what am I going to do when I grow up? And some of you guys might be figuring out still. Whether you should let your hair grow out And get it cut into a mullet Probably say no on that one You know I wish in today's teaching that I could answer all those Questions I wish I could answer those life questions for you But I'm a preacher not a prophet Like I don't know the future in that regard And though I might have wisdom to offer A lot of those decisions are between you And your kids or you and your parents Or you and your spouse But mostly those questions Those answers need to come between you And your God. True, though, while I don't have all those minute, detailed answers for the questions regarding the future of your life, I believe that in God's word that we can offer guidance, we can receive guidance, we can receive direction regarding the very purposes of our lives. You see, no matter which career path, no matter which sports team, no matter which retirement plan, no matter which haircut. Right, You can choose to live each and every day of life with a recognition that you are living life with a purpose and that you can find joy in that. We're entering into our third week of our teaching series called Joy Ride, a journey through the book of Philippians where we've continued to walk through this letter which focuses on the joy-filled life, the joy-filled journey that each of us can experience when we devote our lives to following Jesus Paul, the apostle, as he's writing to the church of Philippi, shared these words. We've been using these every, pretty much every week. Philippians 4, 4 through 5. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you're considered in all that you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. See, Paul reminds us that for the believer, that choosing to live of joy, a life of joy is a willful decision that we make regardless of the past, the present, or the future. Regardless of the circumstances of life, the living a life of joy is the standard for the believer. It's the expectation. It's who God has created us to be, it's who God has called us to be, and it's who God wants to empower us to be. And while it's true that you and I were never promised that we'll always have an easy go of it in life, we can be assured that when we follow after the resurrected Christ, that our life can truly be described as a joy ride. Paul, as he wrote to the church of Philippi and in turn wrote to us, you know, when he wrote that letter. It wasn't, oh, I'm going to write a book for the Bible and it's going to be here 2,000 later for people to experience. But I'm thankful that it's there because it is an encouragement to us. He reminds his listeners and in turn he reminds us that in Christ you and I can have joy in our journey. That you and I can experience joy in our humility. That we can realize joy in knowing Jesus. And today we'll be reminded that we can have joy in purpose if we choose to. We'll be in the third chapter of the book of Philippians. We started chapter 3 last week. We're going to start in verse 12 this week. Apostle Paul, in the first half of the third chapter of Philippians, he's just made this declaration that if he could have been made right with God because of his religious pedigree, that he would have. If he had been somehow able to be right with God because of all the good stuff that he had done, he would have, but he recognized and he taught, and we learned last week, he couldn't. The good stuff didn't make him right with God. And then Paul goes on in those first 11, ch- 11 verses of chapter 3 to make this passionate argument for the value and the joy of knowing Christ. And in that discourse, he declares that compared with the infinite value of knowing Jesus, that every other pursuit, every other passion, every other priority simply falls short, that everything else by comparison is as worthless as his garbage that's pretty much where we stopped last week. That's pretty much where we stopped reading. And if we were to have stopped right there, if Paul would have stopped writing at that point, we might have concluded that Paul has made it, that Paul has arrived, right? He's got it together. But he didn't. See, if he had simply signed off the letter right there with sincerely yours, Paul, much love, Paul, Or, you know, your friend Paul, we might have been left with a lot of doubt. We might have been considering, can can compared to a super Christian like the Apostle Paul, is there even any chance for a sinner like me? We might be left wondering, can't I have what he's got? Can't I be like he is? Can't I have his joy? Can't I have his hope? Let's go ahead and go to Philippians chapter 3, uh, starting in verse 12, because I believe that these next few verses provide for us the needed reassurance and the needed direction on yours and my joy ride of life. Starting reading in verse 12, Philippians 3, Paul says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we've already made. Dear brothers and sisters... Pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I have told you often before, and I will say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows that they really are enemies of the cross of Christ. They're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they only think of life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting him to return as our savior he will take our weak and mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control chapter 4 verse 1 therefore my dear brothers and sisters stay true to the lord i love you and long to see you dear friends for you are my joy and the crown i receive for my work You know, here at Fork, we often say we're just a bunch of imperfect people chasing after a perfect God. And I think that that's a pretty good summary of what the Apostle Paul is saying here. There's so much that we can learn in these 11 verses, but today I want to key on four realizations that the Apostle Paul makes. Four truths that I believe can help you and I find joy and purpose. Paul sincerely wants us to have joy in purpose so especially for you note takers here are the four realizations from Paul the first one is I'm not perfect but Jesus is I'm not perfect but Jesus is the next one is I'm far from the goal but I'm still going for it I'm far from the goal but I'm still going for it and the next one is I haven't arrived but I will I haven't arrived, but I will. And the last one, I don't know my future, but I know my purpose. I don't know my future, but I know my purpose. You know, they say that in life, there are only two things that are certain, taxes and death, right? Well, I don't know where Paul stood on taxes, but I know that he knew that his eventual death was inevitable. He couldn't stop it. And, I, and and even though Paul seemed to have it all together, that as far as the rest of his earthly future, well, Paul didn't have all those answers. It wasn't certain. Paul's eternity was certainly secure. It was certain. But even his best laid earthly plans, well, there were no guarantees. No guarantees whatsoever. I believe that Paul would have agreed with what James had to write. And perhaps you're familiar with these words, James chapter 4. Where James says, "Look here, you who say today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year, We'll do business there and make a profit. Well, how do you know what, your wor- what excuse me, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, and then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or do that. James says, otherwise you're boasted about your own pretentious plans and all such boasting is evil. Keep in mind, friends, that when Paul was writing to the church at Philippi, right when he's talking about experiencing this joy, a life of joy, he wasn't sure that he would ever see them again. In fact, there was no guarantee that Paul would ever get out of jail, out of house arrest ever again. Yet while he didn't know what his future held, he knew firmly who held his future and that Jesus had a purpose for him until the day he died, right? Paul didn't know what his future held, but he knew that Jesus firmly held his future and had a plan and a purpose for him until the day that he died. And Paul understood that even when his future was uncertain, that he could find joy in purpose. Joy in purpose. So we have to ask ourselves, well, what was Paul's, what was his purpose? What was his purpose in life? What was the purpose that he was trying to communicate to the the church of Philippi? What was their purpose supposed to be? What is our ultimate purpose in life supposed to be? Let me remind you before we get into that, that your purpose is not one that is contingent on your past accomplishments, nor is it contingent on your past mistakes. Your purpose is not contingent upon your education or on your athleticism. It's not contingent on your credit history or your grades or your marriage. In fact, your purpose in life is not dependent on any earthly attachments. Paul had much to say about purpose. In chapter 1, verse 27, the book of Philippians, Paul says, we need to be standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Philippians 2, verse 2, Paul says we should be working together with one mind and one purpose. You see, it is very clear that the apostle Paul believes that there is a purpose for each of us no matter what our future holds, and that you and I can find joy in that purpose. So let's see what it is. What is this purpose? Philippians chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. Do you see it? Do you get it? It's right there. That's our purpose. As clear as could be. It is right there. It is the one overarching purpose. One all-encompassing goal and direction in life is to stay true to the Lord. Circumstances and situations will change, but we have a choice. Stay true to the Lord. What are my marching orders as I move forward in life, no matter what my age or stage? Well, they are to stay true to the Lord. What should my number one priority be above all else is to stay true to the Lord? Well, what if my future is uncertain? What if I don't know what's next? Paul would say, stay true to the Lord. What if my past is bad, right? And, and, and a lot of us have bad pasts. Paul would say, stay true to the Lord. What if I don't do it so good? What if I try and I fail sometimes? Paul says, stay true to the Lord. What if I feel like I'm the only one that's doing it? What if I'm the only one that's really trying to stay true to this purpose? Paul says, hey, stay true to the Lord. What about my college choice? What about, what about who I should marry? What about my retirement? Paul says, stay true to the Lord no matter what circumstance, no matter what situation, no matter what stage you find yourself in, stay true to the Lord. That is our purpose. No matter our circumstance, no matter our situation, stay true to the Lord. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, Paul says, stay true to the Lord. You know, anytime that you see this word, therefore, you truly need to ask yourself, what is it there for? It doesn't matter whether it's the Bible or any other kind of book that you're reading. Therefore refers to something. We need to ask, what's it there for? It's there for what? Because of what? Since what? Why is it here? Sometimes when we read through books of the Bible, we kind of stop at the end of the chapter, and we miss some of the beauty in this if we stop at the end of chapter three, because Paul comes right back around and says, hey, because of these things, Stay true to the Lord. So let's talk about that. I believe it's because of the realizations of life that Paul is telling us to stay true to the Lord. Because of the realizations that Paul has observed and experienced and witnessed in his own life, he's telling us, friends, stay true to the Lord. Realization one says, I'm not perfect, but Jesus is. So stay true to the Lord. See, Paul recognizes that his Jewish pedigree doesn't save him. His former righteousness as a devout Pharisee, religious leader, doesn't save him. And even since coming into relationship with Jesus, that though his obsession in life is to fully know Jesus, he recognizes, I'm still not perfect. I don't have it all together. In fact, in Philippians chapter 3, first half of verse 12, he says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, Verse 13, he says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it. I'm not there yet. See, we could make a list of our failures and our flaws and our setbacks, and maybe we should do that sometime, but that's another teaching for a completely different day. But it's like Paul is saying, I'm not perfect, but Jesus is, therefore, stay true to the Lord. The second realization we talked about is this. I am far from the goal, but I'm still going for it. Therefore, stay true to the Lord. Listen to the second half of verse 12. Paul says, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me and then the second half of verse 13 he says but I focus on this one thing forgetting the past looking forward to what lies ahead I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us keeps pressing ahead I'm far from the goal but I'm still going for it I repeat a quote often. I didn't know who it even was attributed to until I Googled it and I realized I wasn't quoting it exactly the way the guy wrote it. And I don't know how to say his name so his credit will show up on the slide. But he said, some goals are so worthy that it is glorious even to fail. Some goals are so worthy that it is glorious even to fail and even when we don't live out our pursuit of jesus christ completely the pursuit of following after him our purpose of following after him it is so worthy that even when we don't quite measure up it is glorious even to fail think about it will we attain earthly perfection no will we always forget the past no will we always press ahead toward the future to what lies ahead no Will we always win the race? Nope. (laughs) But is staying true to the Lord such a worthy goal that it is worth pursuing? Is staying true to the Lord such a worthy goal that is worth pursuing? Yes, I say, yes. And again, I say, yes. It is so worth pursuing, even if we don't always do it right, even if we fail. I'm far from the goal, Paul says, but I'm still going for it. Therefore, stay true to the Lord. Paul also realizes that I haven't arrived, but I will. Therefore, stay true to the Lord. Philippians 3.14, Paul says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Paul recognizes that this earth is not our home. This earth is not the end. It's not the destination. It's simply part of the journey on our joyride of life. He goes on to say, Philippians 3, verse 20, But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak, mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control." We haven't arrived yet, my friends, but we will. The race is not done, but it will be. The prize is not claimed, but it is still there waiting for us. I haven't arrived, Paul said, but I will. So stay true to the Lord. And the last realization I don't know my future, but I know my purpose. I don't know my future, but I know my purpose, therefore stay true to the Lord. We don't know what our future holds on our joy ride, but we, like the Apostle Paul, we know who holds our future, and we know that our purpose is to stay true to Him all along the way. I don't know my future, Paul says, but I know my purpose. Therefore, stay true to the Lord. One final thought as we wrap up today's teaching: Philippians chapter three, verse seventeen. Paul writes these words: "As dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine, and learn from those who follow our example." Can we make that our goal? Can we make that our passion for life? Can we make that our purpose that we would live a life in such a way that we could say to others? Fashion your life after mine. Pattern your life after mine. Have the same purpose in life that I do. Let's make that our pattern. Let's make that our plan. Let's make that our purpose as we journey on our joy ride. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the incredible love that you have for us. We're thankful for a guy like Paul, who though he could have, uh, by the world standards, uh, it would have just looked like he made it, like he's got it together. Um, And yet he realized that he was a broken, weak man. He wrote in other parts of his letters where he said, I'm such a wretched guy. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. He didn't always do it right. Fell short often, yet he understood his purpose. He understood what you called him to. We're thankful that we don't have to know our, our future, but we're thankful that we know that you hold our future and that you have a purpose for us. Help us to live that way, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.